Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm David Escobar. And here are this week's feature stories. Australian-born singer-songwriter Julia Jacklin received critical acclaim at home and abroad after releasing her third studio album, Pre-Pleasure. Jacklin performed at the Summer Stage concert series in Central Park this week. But ahead of that performance, WFUV's Avery Loftus sat down with the artist. They discussed life lessons and how she's coming full circle with Summer Stage. I know in this past year since Pre-Pleasure has been out that you've talked a lot about the title. What does Pre-Pleasure mean to you now? Has the meaning changed at all? The title came from this feeling of this feeling I'd had my whole life of like, if I can just make this relationship good, if I can just figure this out, then I can one day like coast off all of that hard work and I can lead like a pleasurable life. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess like making this record was like the beginning of me realizing that 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 future pleasure pleasure was never going to happen, <laughs> that it doesn't really exist. And I do think that's a big part of growing up. And I feel like I'm like deeply in the middle of that realization now. I read in a Wired article that you mainly write on guitar, but for this most recent album you wrote on keyboard. How have these processes impacted your creativity and performance? I've always had a very complicated relationship with the guitar, which I'm trying to repair. So the keys was kind of freeing because I just felt like a beginner again and I didn't feel any pressure and I didn't have this like internal monologue that was telling me like, you should be better at this by now. How are you trying to, as you said, like repair that relationship? I actually went out and bought a nylon string guitar this morning. And and the nylon string is the first guitar I ever played. I don't know, it reminds me of all that early music that I, you know, really got me into songwriting. Like it reminds me of Leonard Cohen. I think it's just like constantly trying to remember that it's not about being technically good. It's about expression. I also read that you take influences from Celine Dion and Britney Spears. So can you tell me a bit more about what you draw from these artists to become your own type of star. My dad had like a Grammys, it was like Grammy nominee 1998 CD when I was growing up. The song Because You Loved Me, Celine Dion's song, was on that and like, you know, that's one of my first memories of like hearing singing that made me want to sing. And like that is invaluable. Britney Spears was the same because, you know, when I was 11, I watched, a, it was like a documentary on TV about Britney Spears. I just remember watching it and then just turning to my mom and being like, mom, like I have to get singing lessons. <laughs> I suddenly felt ambitious. Like I remember feeling ambitious. I'd never felt that before. I felt like I want to like do things with my life and I want to do that. Like I want to perform. That was singer-songwriter Julia Jacqueline speaking with WFUV's Avery Loftus. Jacqueline played the City Park summer stage earlier this week. The New York Public Library is celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop with a brand new hip-hop-inspired library card. WFUV's Leah Mallory went to the private registration at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture to find out more. New York City is the birthplace of hip-hop. 
this year celebrates 50 years since its discovery. And to commemorate the occasion, the New York Public Library is issuing a special edition library card. Joy Bivens is the director of the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, one of New York Public Library's research libraries. Bivens explains the design of the new card is based on the vibrant graffiti mural from the hip-hop film Wild Style. The original cassette from the film can actually be found in the archives at the Schomburg Center. Bivens says that the 1983 film marks the beginnings of hip-hop culture. We chose the mural specifically because we have it here, but also because the mural encapsulates one of the pillars of the genre, right, which is tagging graffiti and really bringing, again, to the forefront that hip-hop crosses disciplines, if you will, right? So we know mostly about emceeing and rapping, um, and we don't talk as much anymore about breaking or the b-boy, and so we wanted to make sure that people were reminded of the beginnings of the genre and really what it represented. The original cassette is one of millions of items at the Schomburg Center that celebrates the history and culture of people of African descent, particularly hip-hop. The director, writer, and producer of Wild Style, Charlie Ahern, was also one of the first people to claim a special edition card. They wanted to show that they wanted to have support this year for Hip Hop 50, and it happens that Wild Style represents hip hop to some people. And also there's nothing bad about the film. So I'm all for people that like hip hop to get their library card. The Hip Hop Special Edition library cards are now available for pickup from any New York Public Library location near you. Residents can look forward to more events this summer celebrating 50 years of hip-hop. I'm Leah Mallory, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Leah Mallory reporting on the new hip-hop-inspired New York Public Library card. This month, the WFUV Newsroom is highlighting advocacy groups trying to build a better New York. Abortion access and reproductive rights have been a contentious topic for decades. But organizations like New York Abortion Access Fund work to provide people with the resources they need. WFUV's Christina Lulich spoke to Chelsea Williams-Diggs, the executive director of NIAF. The right to accessible abortions is a stigmatized topic around the world. And in the U.S., ever since the overturning of the landmark court case Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court last year, abortion access has become even more restricted and in some states, incredibly rare. That's why organizations like New York Abortion Access Fund, also known as NIAF, were created. NIAF has been around for decades. Abortion funds have been around for decades. And that's because barriers to abortion have existed for decades, since pretty much Roe was legalized or since Roe was decided. That's Chelsea Williams-Dix. She's the interim executive director at NIAF. The group is New York's only local and statewide abortion fund. It was founded in 1999 by college students living in New York City. NIAF covers all costs for people seeking an abortion if they live or travel to New York State. We are working with the folks who don't have other resources, don't have other options, and need to be able to access the health care that they deserve. And we're there to help bridge that gap. Healthcare access is a nationwide obstacle. 
But navigating abortion access is an even more difficult hurdle. That's because not all insurances cover abortions, and even the ones that do may not be accepted at certain clinics. And if people don't have insurance, out-of-pocket costs for abortions can cost anywhere between $600 to $25,000. So this is where organizations like NIAF step in. We are making the impossible possible every day and supporting folks who might not even realize that there is support for them. Oftentimes, I'll talk to callers and they're like, you know, what's the catch? But there is no catch. NIAF does all of the work. They pay the costs directly to the clinic they are partnered with. Williams Diggs says that in an environment of many social injustices, this is just one way NIAF lends a hand. We recognize that abortion access will not fix every issue, right? Our paying for someone's abortion won't fix every issue, but it is a piece, right, of of liberation. It's a piece of social justice. It's a piece of reproductive justice, and it's important to be able to give that to folks. And anyone can take part in helping fulfill this reproductive justice. 80% of NIAF's funding is from grassroots donations. This means regular people within their own communities financially support NIAF with their contributions. While New York has maybe less barriers than other states, while it is a blue state and while it is more abortion friendly, there's still so much work that we need to do to be the abortion safe haven that we claim to be. For more information, head to nyaaf.org. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich speaking to Chelsea Williams-Diggs from NIAF. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find out more at WFUV.org news. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Maya Sargent. And that's What's What.